Welcome to Film Shapes, the podcast. <laughs> okay, what <laughs> happened there? Cairo. Yeah, Cairo. <laughs> yes, I think I could cut that. That's all right. Uh, <laughs> that's what I thought you were going to crack out then. No, why would I do that? Oh, because you maybe you're as immature as me. No. Okay. We were talking about a lot more money than this. There are more of us to be taken care of now. Well, that may be, but I've got the falcon. You may have the falcon, but we certainly have you. I've taken all the writing from you I'm going to take. Get up and shoot it out. Stop it. The police will be here any minute. Now talk. Oh, how can you accuse me of such a terrible... This isn't the time for that schoolgirl act. We're both of us sitting under the gallows. Hello, and welcome to the sixth episode of You Mean You Haven't Seen... And this week's film is the 1941 John Huston classic, The Maltese Falcon. It's hello to Rolly. Hello. And hello to Parazad. Hi, Al. How are you going, guys? Great. All Pretty good. good. Great. So um, now, neither of you had seen this, is that right? Uh, I hadn't seen it before. No, I had not seen it. Okay. So, uh, Rolly, tell me, what did you think of this? I look. It was a bit of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I yeah. Oh, what 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 did I think of it? It's a. Um, I didn't think a great deal of it actually. I'm not sure. It, I'm not sure I meant to think too much of it. Am I? Um, I I don't know. I mean, did did you enjoy it? Film. Uh, for the most part, yeah. I think I I enjoyed it, but okay. it wasn't. It it didn't blow me away. Why do you think it's it's considered a, a classic then? I think probably for its day it was uh, potentially quite a clever film, but it um, yeah, it, it seemed like since then a lot of the tropes have been quite well worn. So it's it was very familiar, even though I hadn't seen it before. All the mm, ideas okay. in it, yeah, yeah. It's about eighty years old now, I suppose, isn't it? Oh, God, that's crazy. Mm. Parazad, what did you think? Yeah, uh, I had a very similar experience to Rolly. Um, I I enjoyed it. I had fun watching it. Some parts of it have not aged well. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, but, like, I was looking before I watched it, I was having a look um, on Google, and it's got, like, a 100% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. And Ooh. at the end of the film, I just... You know, I enjoyed it. I had fun, but I did not understand, and I still don't understand the hype behind it. But mm. I can imagine that when it came out, it was revolutionary. But I don't understand why it still has that hype, if that makes sense. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's a funny one. I, I, I would come down closely to that theory as well. It, watching it again, I've probably seen this four or five times, I guess. And yeah, it doesn't, I, I, I was wondering what's the big, what's all the fuss about really? I mean, compare this to Casablanca, which was made a year later. That That's for me a much more iconic and, and superior film. Another um, one I haven't seen. Ooh, okay. <laughs> you mean you haven't seen Casablanca? <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's very, very talky, isn't it? Mm. Well, yeah, I know, I've got to confess, I... I probably 
yeah, maybe it's something to do with the complexity of of the plot and all the ins and outs. And I'm not sure I even fully grasped all of that in the yeah. first watch. Um, uh, and I thought it was a little strange, or maybe maybe it's a feature. I don't know, but there was the ex. There's a certain segment of exposition in this film, which is kind of towards the end from the mm -hmm. Gutman character, right? Where he mm. he kind of explains quite a lot in this maybe ten minute scene. Yes. And and I still I got a little lost there, you know. But I thought, oh, this is a bit strange having a so much exposition at the back end, you know, instead of yeah. the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's it, almost totally exposition, this film, isn't it? Yeah. I, I was going to say that it's something I noticed is that I was watching it and basically the entire film is just dialogue. There mm. isn't really a whole lot else that happens. It's all exposition through dialogue. Um, but it kind of reminded me of really like the old school, detective novels I used to enjoy reading and still enjoy reading like mm -hmm. the Agatha Christie's and things where it really comes down to character and interactions between them but the difference is in a novel I can take my time reading the dialogue and <laughs> absorbing it whereas in yep. this it felt like they were and it I don't know if it was just me but it really felt like they were speeding through their lines yeah. and so half the time I missed what they were saying and I only just caught like snatches of it. Well, yeah. I mean, on that, I've got a little confession to make. I, I had to rewind the very beginning because I wasn't listening to um, O'Shaughnessy, um, Mary Astor's character, explaining mm. stuff to Bogart because I was watching him light his fucking cigarette with that weird. <laughs> what was that thing? I was trying to work the, out the that cigarette lighter. No. Did, yeah. Did you I see what was it? It was, this that? was like, and he pressed down into it. I don't know what it was, but I liked it. It looked yeah. fun. <laughs> it, they pre the press, it's like a match. I don't even know if it's a match, but they press in and a spark would start or create yeah. a spark and then he a was flame. And it pull it out. Himself, was he? Yeah. And I think later why, why he's. Why would he um, just get his secretary to do that for him? Well, later she did that actually, but, but and with yeah. the same thing. But <laughs> That's yeah. Kind he, of the theme of the. But then he puts it out, right? And he, he put it into another section of that contraption. It yeah. was great. I'm not even a smoker, but that was cool. And I was watching that thinking, how the hell is that working? And then I had to go, oh, I didn't hear any of that. Let's go back and rewind it. Quite unprofessional. The tobacco companies would have loved this film. <laughs> yes. and oh, to, yeah. To have a star. I Was he, uh, correct, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think mm. he was more of a minor star before this film. Is that right? This film, <clears throat> film was maybe one of the ones that really pushed him up to the next yeah. level. Uh, yes, I think he was in, he was like, he was starring in lots of George Raft films, I guess, um, in the thirties, but yeah, this is, was this his first big film, I guess maybe. Yeah. Cause I thought before then yeah. he was, he was more of a, um, supporting. Yeah. Actor. Yeah. I think he'd been around the traps a bit, but yeah, this was one of his, his, um, early leads. I think. Yeah, you're right. And actually it was John Huston's first directorial debut, first debut. Thank you. Um, mm -hmm. He'd written, he'd written a lot of films before, um, Houston, but this was his first stab at directing. So pr a pretty good start for, a, you know, for a big film like this at, at the time anyway. So. I mean, do you think people would have been saying, oh, wasn't it, wasn't it clever the way it all yeah. moved in? You didn't know and you thought this was going to happen and then you find out it was someone else. And Well, I wonder if anyone had, well, I'm sure any, lots of people had, but it was a, a Dashiell Hammett 
book. So maybe, and, and actually, this is the third rendition, can I say? The third um, film based on that book. So oh. I wonder if it was already in the public consciousness. Not sure. Um, hmm. Another thing that struck me about this one was it's a, it's a great example of the MacGuffin, isn't it? Mm. Isn't mm. it? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's the being MacGuffin the... object. Yes. Um, is it though? I was oh. thinking about this. Go on, t explain yourself. Well, it's, it's that object of a film that appears at the beginning of the story generally and... Um, and then I think it often largely gets kind of forgotten about or maybe not even seen or, but it, it tends to um, uh, influence a lot of the plot yeah. while kind of remaining in the background. Um, yeah, I think that's fair. At yeah. the end. So it's, it's a plot driver, basically. It drives, mm. it's the reason people are doing something. But then wouldn't there be... Wouldn't most films have a MacGuffin in them? Something that drives the plot? Or are you specifically but we're talking about like a literal object, right? Yeah, a, okay. Yeah, it has to be a physical object, I think. I guess yeah. it could be something something else, but um, there's definitely a lot of examples of it. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm Probably this is a, a little naive, but I, I always thought the MacGuffin was less integral, but it seemed like it was at the beginning. Like towards the end of the film, it, it's just completely um, marginalised, whereas this thing is still, like, everyone's still after this. Um, well, I, I in know, a way, I'm, though, the, like... um, the fact that, uh, you know, not to spoil the film for anyone. <laughs> it's 80 years old, dude. It's, it's 80 years old. What are you talking about? Don't, don't worry but about the, it, mate. Just go ahead. <laughs> the fact that the MacGuffin turns out to be not what it was thought to be, uh, maybe. Yeah. Maybe gives it some more credibility to be called the MacGuffin. Um, here's, um, here's another um, question for you. MacGuffin and red herring, same things or different? Uh, I thought a red herring was meant to be something that purposely throws you off track. Yeah. Yeah. So no, MacGuffins can do that, I suppose, but they don't usually. Yeah. Yeah. And a red herring, I mean, couldn't that just, just be a line from someone as well, not a yeah, uh, I suppose it could be. Doesn't have to but be the, recurring. The, I'm thinking of something like the the briefcase in Pulp Fiction. Is that a MacGuffin or a red herring? MacGuffin. You think? It's a mysterious oh, MacGuffin, well, isn't it? Oh well, but it doesn't necessarily Oh no, it does drive I haven't seen Pulp Fiction for a long time, but it does kind mm. of drive uh, the rest of the film to some extent, doesn't it? What's in the briefcase is yeah, the motivation yeah. for. I suppose that I don't. I'm not. Now I don't want to spoil Casablanca for Parazo, but there's a <laughs> there's a central there's a central. I think they're it's after. Okay, I'm sure. Okay, I'll okay. Coat. They're after some papers to get out of Casablanca, and and everyone's looking for these things. So it's similar to the Maltese Falcon in that case that they're that a lot of people are focused on mm -hmm. that particular item. So I guess that's the MacGuffin there. Yeah, interesting. But yeah, you're right. It's um. All, it's all centered around that thing. It's it's the the stuff that dreams are made of, as Bogey says at the end there. <laughs> yeah. Um. He, no, Bogey plays Spade as a bit of an asshole here, doesn't he? Yeah, <laughs> I would, would say you? so. <laughs> well, would he you agree? A bit of a, 
bit of a dibber dubber as well at the end. And a, a good dibber dubber. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, How old I haven't heard that term Dibba since goody two shoes. <laughs> Jesus, dibba dobba Goody two shoes Alright, yeah, you're right <laughs> I was a little um, surprised For really? me, that was his redeeming feature mm. <laughs> I, I very much did not like his character um, Through more or less the bulk of the film until right. the very end where he finally, you know, put his foot down was like, well, actually, no, I am just going to turn you it, turn you over. Yeah. Okay. You were thinking he might not have at that point. Yeah. I mean, mm. I don't know if the idea of the film was to set it up so that you believed that he was wheeling and dealing and was planning to, you know, run off with the money or whatever, but I, I believed it. I didn't think he had any real intention of solving his partner's murder because he didn't really seem to care about his partner all that much. Well, he was on um, the missus, wasn't he? So yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, which let's talk about that plot line for a second. Why was that there? <laughs> it was so completely non-integral to the entire thing. Mm. Oh, well, I think it it was the motive for why he might be a suspect. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, and possibly but... for a reason he didn't really care that Archer was killed necessarily. Yeah. Yeah. And also, I guess yeah, you, can't a bit have a, you can't have a male hero in the film and not having him sort of betting every lady. That <laughs> <laughs> no, just uh, here's a good point. I don't know. Let's get your opinions on this. I, I thought um, Mary Astor's character, O'Shaughnessy, was a pretty strong and independent kind of female character for those times there, even though she's, you know, a bit of a wrong'un. What, what uh, do you guys Ruth, think about that? Uh, O'Shaughnessy. Yeah. The, um, the, mm. I would, yeah, for its time, for the 1940s, I'd agree with that. Um, you'd be, but see, that's the thing. You could only have a strong female character in those times if they were playing the villain, which turns yeah. out she was all along. Mm. Um, but you know, that you kind of got to make allowances for the time that it was made in. Yeah. Um, and I certainly wouldn't expect it to be quite the same as how we would treat female characters today, but no, you, um, no, you'd... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I thought reasonably strong and definitely independent, but also with that kind of those overtones of you can only be a strong and independent woman if you are deceitful and manipulative and all that usual crap <laughs> yeah and also <clears throat> she she was i mean set up as looking for a benefactor all the time right so she yeah. killed that you know she had thursby done away with but she then she needed more support in a male form so mm -hmm. yeah not, not as independent as i guess yeah. really yeah but yeah you're right for its time not bad yeah i mean there are better examples of that than in, in yeah the she was even. basically it was nice because she was the, the quote unquote damsel in distress, but she was doing that on purpose. Yeah. Whereas, as opposed to actually being a damsel in distress. Mm. Mm. Yeah, More true. of a manipulator, I guess. But mm. yeah, there was that kind of uncomfortable moment where she says, oh, I think, I think it's her, isn't it? Yeah. She, oh, what else can I buy you with then? Yeah, and he just outright he just kissed her. Oh, like, oh, I had to hide under the blankets. <laughs> yeah, I think that was probably the the worst one in it, though, for me. Yeah, um, yeah. 
the rest was kind of oh, okay. But yeah, even just them talking about love and things at the end. I mean, he was. Yeah, I just didn't really buy that. That didn't. Yeah, yeah. that that didn't um, sell. I mean, yeah, he's known as. Well, how long? What is the time period in this? It feels like it's maybe three days only, or something. Yeah, I yeah, say I'd two, say so. Two, a few days. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's a bit. That, that's hard to to believe. Um, really, at the end, I think. Yeah. Uh, how about some of the uh, some of the dialogue in this? Some of the old timey dialogue. Uh, oh, well, it's it, good it, to see an original um, where I always think of it from Seinfeld, but it was uh, the slip to Mickey. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's right. I mean, that that's old. That's um, reasonably common in these kind of films. I think this isn't though. Uh, I'd never heard this before. Remember when he's talking to the cops in his bedroom, and mm. he says, um, "Then, then you birds crack and foxy." What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> you Ooh, birds crack yeah. and foxy. You got me What's there. That mean? Yeah. No okay. idea. Um, there's get your paws off me, which makes sense, I guess. Yeah. Um, there's a great line where he's talking to O'Shaughnessy and he says, we didn't exactly believe your story, Miss O'Shaughnessy. We believed $200. I mean, you paid us more than if you'd been telling us the truth and enough more to make it all right. Yeah, I quite like that. I also yeah. like Gutman's one is a man that likes talking to a man no, that likes to talk. Yeah. Yeah, he's right. He's saying, uh, he, I like the fact that you don't say when, when you're getting a drink, because if you, what was that? If you, if a man who, who doesn't, is worried about saying more than he needs to when he's drinking means he's got something to hide when he's not or something. It's, it's all a lot of, there was a lot of talk. Yeah, around there's, there's a lot of doublespeak. <laughs> yeah. I think yeah. audiences would have been laughing a lot more in the cinema, wouldn't they? Seeing this film. Probably. We probably yeah. Were. Oh, Tell you what, though, do you guys remember that scene where um, he first, Spade first encounters um, Cairo yes. in his office? Mm. Okay. Oh, I, proper belly laughs there. Um, well, the particularly when, I mean, not when he gets disarmed, but at the end, the very end of the scene where Cairo's like, may I please have my gun back now? And then he immediately goes back to sticking him up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And, and, and Bogart loses it then too. Like, oh yeah, right, yeah. what am I going to do? Yeah. Uh, this yeah. is interesting. This <clears throat> now I I, I kind of noticed this earlier when when I was younger watching this, but it didn't really sink in. But have you noticed how they deal with homosexuality in this film? Uh, through Joe Cairo's accent, is that not just ah uh, well and or... and Gutman as well? Did you think? Well, it's it. I mean, it could have been a cornucopia of homosexuality. I'm not oh, sure because so. because okay. So Cairo is you know when they bring in she brings in the card and she he sniffs it and he says yeah. gardenia. Oh, this is like this is scented. This guy must be a bit yeah, of a, yeah. a you know who oh, he must be fruity in those days. You know, so yeah, that that's clear. And he comes in. He's very neatly dressed and he's got a cane and all this. I think his accent's neither here nor there, but because he's Hungarian anyway, Austrian Hungarian. Yeah. So, um, and, and he's had that accent all his life. So yeah, it's just, there are certain things like when he slaps him, he says, you, when you're slapped, you'll take it and like it almost like he's, he's a masculine idiot talking to a woman <laughs> that he's slapping. Like, yeah, it's, it's, it's very weird. 
Um, but this bit I didn't notice when they're they're dealing with um the how to get out of the mess, and Bogart's trying to tell them to to put the younger fella Wilma. in the hot seat. Yeah, Wilma. He says, um, well, okay, let's try this. Give him, let's give him the gunsel. And I was like, what is, what the hell is this? I just, it, it, I didn't really focus on that until I yeah. did a bit of reading. Mm. Gunsel apparently is a slang term for young homosexual male who is probably in a relationship with an older dude. Ah. And, so you reckon and, Wilma and Gutman? Or Wilma and Cairo. Cairo. Okay. Probably. But oh, yeah, it seems okay. strange. Like, I thought when he said, let's give him the gunsel, and I think he said that word twice, and like that, that means Bogey's completely aware of what kind of guy he is, but mm-hmm. I thought it was like a gun gun thing, gunslinger or a yeah. gunman, yeah. you know? But apparently, no, it means, um, yeah, it means uh, it, it's from the Yiddish Genzel for little goose, <laughs> something like this. Or the German gun gunslain for Gosling. So yeah, it seems like like they're, they're in the book. Apparently, he's clearly homosexual. Um, Cairo is anyway. Okay. Okay. Um, but in the film, they're not allowed to because of that Hayes Code from the thirties, where you weren't allowed yeah. to refer to things like that. So yeah, it's interesting would, how they how they got would, around that. I would not have picked up his accent as being Hungarian. What do you mean? <laughs> what do you mean, Rolly? What is that? What is that? <laughs> That is Hungarian. That how he speaks all the time. That's terrible, isn't it? It's an that awful, sounds like a bad Mexican awful... accent. Yes, right, right. No, no. He's. I mean, he was in Casablanca too with the same accent. He was in M from the thirty-one or thirty-two, I think, for Fritz Lang, which was, I guess, his breakout film. Uh, but yeah, he's always spoken that way. Imagine if off-screen he just talked like you and you or I, perhaps. I mean, oh, not Australian. Well, that's, but... <laughs> that's what I'm wondering is, was that his real accent? Or was that him, the actor, I trying see... to put on an accent? <clears throat> was he just typecast it? You can only get the yeah. part if you do that accent. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, he he did play Mr. Mr. Moto. Is that the character? Like a Chinese detective in the 30s? Um, so I'm, I'm assuming he pulled, yeah. I'm assuming he pulled very odd accent for that one. Um I haven't seen any of those films, and I'm kind of loathe to actually. But... Yeah, I I, yeah. I think that would be more cringeworthy than this one. Yeah, uh, and didn't I mean they they sort of darkened him up a bit for this film too? Do you reckon? You could see sort of like, um, a, like a spray tan on him or something. Well, no, I I, sure. I mean I have no idea what that actor looks like normally. Hang on. Usually not that dark. I I would have guessed, but yeah. I was meaning um, to mention, did you notice any uh, sync issues with the voices? Uh, there was a couple no. of, there was just a couple of scenes where the the voice seemed to be out of sync with the visual. No, I didn't notice that, but I noticed a couple of jump cuts. Like there's one, there's a couple of points where they've just cut to a wider camera angle and Bogart, for example, is one step back from the cop, whereas he, the exact seen before he was uh, okay. quite closer to him so i think there are a few uh hmm, let's say blocking pro- issues i guess production based stuff yeah i think was yeah made. but overall uh, you know visually and the sound it was it was pretty solid you know it was a, it's yeah. a well film sure yeah i mean that that's um 
Yeah, like I said, it, it's it's Houston's first effort at directing, and and I think he's he's done a pretty good job. This is a guy who's done films like, ah, oh, you know, um, Treasure of Sierra Madre, Key Lago, African Queen, The Man Who Would Be King. That I mean, he's produced a lot of good stuff, and a couple of talented kids. Angelica Houston's his daughter, and Danny Houston's his son. Did you know these? Mm. I don't know either of those. Okay, <laughs> okay. Uh, Angelica Houston's getting on a bit now, but Danny Houston's still going around. I think he's he was in The Proposition with Guy Pearce. Remember that oh, film? Yeah. The Aussie film? Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. No, really. <laughs> <laughs> I'll play along. No. Um, You're right. Sure, sure. Mm-hmm. No, I haven't seen the. What year was that one? Proposition? About about 15 years ago, I guess. Okay. That's yeah, a good, good film, though. Um. Yeah. I, do, I don't really have much else to say about this, but I would recommend Parasite. You definitely do mm. see Casablanca. That that's a bit better than this, and it's yeah. still it's actually got Bogart and Peter Lorre, the little guy that speaks like this, <laughs> and and Goodman as well. Um, he's in it oh, too. Okay. So, yeah, they all they all turn. Yeah, up I mean, again. look, and, I I thought they all did a really good job in terms of their performances. It was just mm. parts of the movie really did not age well. <laughs> No, you're right, you're right. Yeah. And, yeah, I was trying to count how many locations or, or settings there were, mm. and it's really just it's offices and apartments mostly, isn't it, in this? Yeah. And people yeah, talking that's very to each little, other. There's one scene where he's in a cab and he's losing, trying to lose that tail, and that's yeah. about it. Trying well, to lose that, that tail. You're sounding like the, the film now of Parasite. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, hey, this will get you in solid with your bus. We yeah. should not forget the burning ship scene. As well. That's oh right. yeah, true. On down on the dock. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and and the staggering, um, staggering into the office captain who had never appeared before. It was a little bit abrupt, wasn't it? Who's this guy? You know, mm. that was yeah, I was a little yeah, bit surprised there. I was a little confused on at around that point. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I reckon it's if if for nothing else, you can understand it a bit more. Watch it a second or third time, but yeah, I mean. There are probably yep. better things to do. Mm. Yeah. All right. Well, guys, thank you. On that note, um, uh, thanks for coming today. Uh, talk you. to you next time. Thank you. Cheers, Bye. Guys. Bye. Come closer. I want to talk to you. I'm going to tell you an astounding story. The story of the Maltese falcon. 600 years, the falcon has carried the mystery of a fabulous wealth under its grotesque wings. I could tell you a thousand tales of the men and women who have hunted this evil bird. But every story has the same ending. Murder. Listen to these incredible people, all consumed by their passionate greed for the Maltese falcon. Oh, that the you haven't seen before. No, I haven't. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> get, get the name right, please. Uh, it's, it's you mean you haven't seen? <laughs> you mean... <laughs> Maybe, maybe Paris and I need to sync up and both go really in a really bored voice. You mean you haven't seen? <laughs>